This is Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Spreading like fist. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Marking Out, Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. This is episode 674, and we thank you for listening to this online listening experience in podcast forms. Make sure you subscribe on all of your major podcasting applications. You can find us social media-wise, Facebook dot com slash marking out twitter dot com slash marking out youtube and instagram slash marking out 11 tiktok at marking out um you can email us at marking out one at gmail.com and make sure you buy our merchandise and we thank everybody for the uh, new year's eve sale the new year's day sale the day the boxing day sale for purchasing shirts pro wrestling dot com slash marking out my name is Chris. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Sweendog. I'm also here with Dave, who you can follow at DavidPTDPT. David, how are you? Doing fantastic. Have been waiting to record this episode for a long time. That's right. You sound more echoey. I guess in, yes, the, in yes. the new palatial in, estate, uh, the Dave the Rave palatial estate there. Yes, yes. In prime real estate, Echo City. You know. How about yourself? How are you feeling? I'm feeling better. Um, getting over the flu over the holiday season, which was terrible. But we have to introduce him before we start talking about ourselves. He is our social media influencer, the influence that he has all over the social media platforms. Brandon, you can follow him at BTTG161. Brandon, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome as always. Good. Glad to hear it. And happy 2024, everybody. Um, How was your New Year's, gentlemen? Mine was good. I didn't really do much uh, in the during the day. I went to Cheesecake Factory. Cake Factory, obviously. <laughs> I baked chocolate chip cookies, which were super dope. Those were delicious from a pack. Shout out to Pillsbury. <laughs> <laughs> but I also finished watching Marvel's What If season two. Okay, how, how you, is it? Are you going to be watching this at all? I've no. I felt I've fallen off of everything Marvel. So unfortunately. I've... I only liked two of the episodes out of the nine episodes. I wish that Miss Marvel was included because I really can't put that character over enough. And I feel like Sam Wilson should have been like we saw him become Captain America and then literally nothing happened with him. I think it's been like two or three years at this point, but I feel like he should have been included. And then She-Hulk, I think, would have been good to include. But we got Hulk Hogan. Which I think is hilarious. What? <laughs> in Marvel's How do you have Hulk Hogan? Happy Hogan. Spoiler alert. Big spoiler alert. Happy Hogan turns into the Hulk and he's called Hulk Hogan. <laughs> so I think that's, that's hilarious. There's and a then, cease and desist coming somewhere, brother. And then there's a, uh, a new... Well, I mean, the Hulk was the Hulk before Hogan was Hogan, so... But uh, there's a new character named Kehori, so... I really enjoyed her episode, and she was created specifically for the show. And I was confused because I was like, are we supposed to know who this is? And I, I Googled it, and it's like, oh, this character was specifically created for Marvel What If. And I'm like, well, I hope she ends up in the MCU because I enjoyed that character. But that's really what I did on New Year's Eve, and 
this week. How about yourselves? Dave, what did you do for New Year's Eve? So for New Year's Eve, I did not get the invite to uh, go anywhere special. So that being said, I ended up spending it very relaxing and calm, hanging out with my parents, watching uh, the TV, flipping between all the different concerts that were taking place. Watching the television. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, watching the television. Um, Really a big fan of Feliz 2024. We were watching Univision a good amount. You and the music I, over there I, was very catchy. I'm a big fan of Felice 2020 or whatever year it is. Yeah. Dave is one of the most multicultural people that I know. <laughs> He's eating pupusas for lunch. I found one of my absolute favorite songs from uh, from Felice whatever. Year. Really? Yeah. Me duele escuchar tu nombre. The, the, the music is always so, so catchy and good. Um, so, yeah. I spent it with my parents, um, and honestly, on that day, when you don't have a game plan or you're not going specifically to a party or something, there's too many people on the road that are idiots and too much drinking taking place, so sometimes the best thing you could do is just do whatever is most comfortable. So that's what I did. How about yourself, Chris? Well, I, as I said earlier, my whole family got the flu uh, last week, Um, but I, you know, I had to work. That's the thing that stinks about working for yourself is you still have to, you know, go out there and work, even though I felt terrible. Um, but um, we Jordan's like friends, family, they like go bowling every year. So they invited us this year and they rented like five lanes out and had like food and stuff like that. So that was like for like two hours. Mm-hmm. So that was from like 530 to 730. And then I came home and I took some NyQuil and I went to bed <laughs> by like <laughs> not even at 10 o'clock. I could care. I like and I worked in an industry for I worked in the food service industry where like New Year's Eve was like a big freaking deal and you had to work and there was no excuses and stuff like that. And it just kind of just burnt me out of New Year's and I could care less. Even like on my one traditions, I every New Year's Eve I drink a dogfish one twenty. This year I didn't drink it and I'm kind of upset with myself, but unfortunately, you know, as I get older, I have to take care make sure I get better. I'm still coughing, hacking up along here, but um, getting better slowly and surely every day. Um, one mm-hmm. thing I said to my sister too, because my sister and her daughter got sick as well. It's like, I feel, and everybody's story with COVID is different. I feel like the flu was worse and has been worse than getting COVID because like COVID, like on that fifth day, I'm like, all right, I feel like a million bucks. I'm about to go down. Now it's like I'm on day like seven or eight and I'm like, I'm still hacking up along. I still feel like garbage. I know me and Brandon's stories of having COVID are probably a hundred percent different. <laughs> um, and same with Dave's different. <laughs> very different, but, um, you know, um, but Hey, it's 2024. And, uh, although I did feel like complete garbage last week. We did. I was very happy that me and Dave and good friend Sal and Big Pete um, got to go to the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum for AEW World's End. I almost didn't go to the show. The funny, the crazy story about this, and I don't think I told Brandon about this either. So me, I had three tickets. It was me, Sal, and Dave. And I work in the video production business, and my boss got this call that somebody was interested in using us in Florida from December 29th to January 1st. He's like, all right. Uh, my boss is like, all right, put this, you know, put this on, on the back burner. We might be doing this. I'm like, I have tickets to a wrestling event that day. He's like, well, you're going to have to sell your tickets. I'm like, crap. 
So Big Pete, who was with us, I sold the ticket to him. And then after I sold the ticket, like four days later, my boss was like, yeah, uh, the, the client didn't get back to us, so we're not taking the job. Hmm. I was, I'm still mad about it. Luckily, my okay. wife is a, is a babe and got me a ticket for Christmas, which was, I didn't even see my seat. Um, but I digress. But we had AEW World's End. The last big pay-per-view of the 2023 calendar year, and I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I, um, yeah, I totally agree with you, and I'm so thankful that you were able to join as well, because, I mean, going to the wrestling event, it's always fun and special, and for you to not be there after having the tickets and stuff, it, especially at Nassau Coliseum, it would have been odd to be there, and so for you to be able to join us, thanks to uh, your amazing wife, that was my uh, present, Rachel, yeah. it's just incredible that she was able to do that for you, and um, I could only imagine the amount of stress that, that you were going through during that. I went through so much stress. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. man. I'm like, Ed, and I think I called it on the show. I said, I'm like, or I said it to you when, like, the, I'm like Edge is probably going to face Christian at the Nassau Coliseum, and if I miss this, I'm going to be so upset, and I didn't miss it. Um, but let's like let's start going over it. I guess AEW yeah. World's End, um, five and a half hours of wrestling. That to me, being there, did not feel like five and a half hours of wrestling. Um, I thought you know, f for us being there and like you know, we were very active too. We were going to the bathroom, we were walking around, we weren't sitting in our seats, we were enjoying the wrestling. Um, it was it was fine. I'm I'm gonna totally I'm gonna piggyback on you, and I'm gonna totally agree with you. I know going into it. We were saying how, wow, this is 12 matches. Where is Sal? Sal cannot stay up late. Yeah. Like, Sal, Sal turns into a pumpkin after, like, 9 p.m. So we are, like, already be like, okay, we may have to get a coffee break at some point. How are we actually going to last? We know how hangry I got at WrestleMania. And, and that was the story want... we discussed that night, too. Yes, we don't want to repeat that. So, <laughs> um, so for the wrestling event... It was so great that the time it flew by, we didn't even sit in our seats the entire time, and thank goodness we were able to stand up and walk around a bit, and we weren't being, it was really nice at Nassau Coliseum because we weren't being shuffled. Like, if you were standing on the uh, Between the, the 100s area, and 200s. Yeah, right? it was so nice yeah. like to be standing there and not have to be shuffled away from taking a picture or just standing there. So we stood there for a long time, like the back end of the entire event. Yeah, from the Julia um, Hart match, uh, the Julia Hart Abaddon match, all the way on. We didn't even sit in our seats. We stood in that middle set, like walking area that walks all the way yeah. around Nassau Coliseum, and it was awesome. And 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 it was perfectly perfectly great. And we weren't even drinking, you know, we weren't even drunk or anything like that. And for us to have that time pass just from pure enjoyment. It was just awesome, dude. I know. And you know what? I think my favorite part was it, too. And I said it to you so many times, too. Is like we stood there and, like, it, the place was – it had to have been close if not sold out. And just to see the, everybody there and just everybody fully invested in this event was just like – because AEW gets a lot of scrutiny. Oh, they can't sell houses. You know, everyone's taking pictures. Like when they get there, when there's nobody in the the building, and saying this is AEW at this at, at during the main event, they can't. They don't know how to draw a house. To see like what we saw and see how packed out that place was was like awesome. And it just shows you like going into 2024 too. Like 
wrestling and and especially what happened to him on Monday night on Raw, like wrestling is like on the up and it's on the up and like like catastrophic up. Like yeah. like murder horn like up. Like I I'm, I I'm sorry, I can't think of the right words here, but like it's it's you should be very stoked going into 2024 being a professional wrestler. Yeah. It's something that I really liked about this event. First it was it was weird because they don't have any Islanders banners hanging at NASA Closing, which is like weird. Yeah. But something that I really liked at this AEW event is that it sounded like they had the microphone up higher underneath the ring. Unlike I think WWE may have lowered it, but hearing the body slams and every single time that they had an impact on the ring, I don't know about you, Chris, but it instantly took me back to being a child seeing an event at Nassau Coliseum when All like I mean I remember like I remember seeing that the natural disasters in that ring and just remember that echo of that microphone and just that yeah. echo that I guess is lost but to hear that again it was awesome yeah it was a lot of fun it was it was a lot of fun it was a uh, the atmosphere was great um, everybody was invested into it. Let's just, let's run over the card really quickly yeah. here. Uh, you know, you had the Zero Hour. You had three awesome matches on the Zero Hour. You had Will Nightingale defeat Chris Statlander. This match was great, and then but at the end of the match, the wheels started to fall off, which was kind of disappointing because you know both Will Nightingale and Chris Statlander are Long Island natives. So for them to get a match against each other at Nassau Coliseum was awesome. Uh, but unfortunately, the end got a little bit uh, you know hectic. But uh, yeah, it Willow, like, pi- Willow picked up the W there. Yeah, maybe some fatigue. What's that, Brandon? Oh, she she wanted friendly competition. Stokely was kind of f- uh, what fanning the flames, and uh, he pitched this match, and and that's why they they faced off. That's why he did commentary. That's so, that's true. I don't know if we're gonna see Statlander turning heel or what. That's the thing. There was uh, like Pete that we were with. He was really convinced that there was going to be a heel turn with Willow turning on Chris Statlander. Um, right. Especially at the end of this match where they did the handshake and you stood there, but there was no turn or anything like that. Um, really cool moment for two Long Islanders to open up the show, though. Absolutely. But big, uh, very big thing. Serena Deeb has a vignette that aired, and she is finally back. Yeah, apparently she's been dealing with a bunch of... Uh health issues um and i'm looking forward to seeing her uh, get back in the ring and kick a uh, major butt so stoked yeah. stoked about that um you had kill switch win the 20-man battle royal for the uh a future shot at the tnt championship um it was awesome to see dan Housen live he got a i think he got like the number three pop of the night um the butcher and the blade were in there too uh, Lance Archer was in there. You had Rocky Romero, Trent Beretta. Uh, it was a fun 20-man uh, battle royal. But obviously, once you saw Killswitch get, it, you know, it chose to be in there, it's like, oh, I guess he's winning because something will happen <laughs> with the TNT Championship later on, and we'll talk about that unbelievable match uh, in a little bit. I, I, I was really a fan of the battle royal. It was a lot of surprising names that I didn't expect, like Jomo or uh, Johnny TV. And everything like that. And some of the spots that they had, I'm a big mark for, like, Killswitch and, um, oh, man, why am I blanking on his name? Lance um, Archer. Yeah, yeah, Archer. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm, I'm a big mark for the both of them. So for them to have those big spots during the matchup, and especially I, at first during the beatdown in the beginning, I didn't know what was taking place because you're watching everybody on the entrance. Yeah. And then you look over, and 
everybody, like there's mayhem down by the ring. You're like, what the hell? The match didn't even start. So I thought that it was really an awesome and fun battle royal. Yeah, it was. Um, and then you have Hook defeat Wheeler Yuta by submission in an FTW rules match. Um, I liked, you know, you have you you have Yuta come out and you know cut a heel promo, and then you have the uh, the goal horn sounds, uh, owed to the uh, old home of the New York Islanders, and Hook come out decked out in Islanders gear, which I thought was really awesome. Uh, it was really cool to see uh, another. Long Islander in Hook. Yeah, uh, that's true. I didn't even. I totally forgot he was a Long Islander. I was talking to a security guard there during that match because we were like, I was standing in that little walkway area during Hook was on because one of my uh, commentators at work he used to cover Hook in his illustrious lacrosse career. Um, so I'd take a picture to him and say, "Hey, look, your boys, uh, your boys, uh, you know, on the big stage here at Nassau Coliseum." So uh, that's cool. Was, yeah, it was very cool. Um, but, you know, solid zero-hour show, great, you know, great wrestling. Hook uh, picks up the W as uh, we expected. I, you know, I, I yeah. feel like, though, like, with this match, too, you should have just had Hook come out there and just squash him. You know, choke him out and you know, call it a day. You know, I would have been okay with it. It doesn't do justice for the pure championship. Though. I know, but it, it nah. doesn't, none of the Ring of Honor titles right now, are, well. there's any sort of justice for them. The, 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 the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles have been a you know a a, a, a second like a third tertiary you know item in a major storyline that's going on right now. But let's get to the main event. I mean, let's get to the main show itself. Uh, World's End kicked off with, with a eight man tag team match, which saw the team of the Blackpool Combat Club. Mark Briscoe and Daniel Garcia pick up the victory over Brody King, Jay White, Jay Lethal, and Roosh. Uh, via Daniel Garcia picking up the pinfall. I said this to Dave, too. This kind of reminds me of, like, that big 10-man tag team match during uh, PWG's Battle of Los Angeles weekends. Like, all the guys that don't make it to the finals, they have that big all-star, like, you know, uh, tag match. And I really like this. Everybody got their time to shine. It was great to see Daniel Garcia get the uh, the quick pinfall, pinfall here and pick up the victory. Um, you know, shows you that AEW, uh, you know, maybe might be kind of pulling the trigger again with Daniel Garcia. I yeah, I think that you relating this to PWG. I didn't even realize it uh, at the time until you said that. I'm like, yeah, this is definitely crossover well, like that. New Japan. Um, yeah, New Japan. Um, New Japan, too. That's I, right. The New Year's Dash, uh, you know, all those. Yeah, all, all the collective where you just take a bunch of all-star wrestlers and toss them on opposite sides of the rings. Um, I did feel bad because Chris did miss the entrance of Brody King. I, I did miss I'm, I, I did miss I'm, Brody King's entrance. And that yes, I'm is, sorry for bringing that up. It's fine. <laughs> I'm still upset about it. But, unfortunately, I don't think the Nassau Coliseum was uh, ready to go when it comes to their uh, – their choices in nourishment for all of these wrestling fans, as and this is not a knock on AEW at all. Um, no, the lines. <laughs> no, it's the Coliseum. Yeah, the Coliseum. They were they were not prepared at all because there was about four lines for food, and they all like wrapped into each other throughout the entire Nassau Coliseum. So like, Sal wanted nachos. We walked all the way around Nassau Coliseum to find nachos, but every line was like so many people deep. It was ridiculous. So then we went back downstairs. Then all of a sudden I hear, dun, dun, dun. I was like, oh, man. And then uh, I just broke <laughs> King's entrance. So Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I was on the A lot of people were not happy. Yeah. 
Well, you know what? If, if they ever decide to run Nassau Coliseum, if it doesn't get turned into a, a bingo hall or whatever, you know, the, uh, they say that's going to happen to it, just have to staff people more. That's it. You know, I, this was, I just want to say that this was totally not on the same level as Arthur Ashe Stadium. I don't, like, I haven't seen any of the Twitter or what people are saying, but if they are comparing the two of them, this was totally not on the same level of that debacle at Arthur well, Ashe. Again, Arthur Ashe is how many seats versus Nassau Coliseum? Of course, yeah. But I'm just saying, I don't know what people are saying on Twitter and stuff, if they're comparing the two, but I hope that they're not. But I, no. I got a Someone is. apparently a Long Island cheesesteak. A Long Island cheesesteak, which was, you know. Garbage. It, it did the, I was starving. I got that, a pretzel and a soda. It did the trick. It was good. But this matchup was a lot of fun. Uh, I marked out for Brody King in this match. I thought that it, he was great. And, yeah, this is pretty much where the crowd started to trickle in. Yeah. Was this the match with uh, where Matt Menard was, like, on commentary super over? Was that another match? No, that was this match. And Brody, like... Oh, it, that was fantastic. Oh, yeah, right. Brody got in his face. Yeah, a bunch of times. I thought it was awesome. Brody's awesome. Uh, next up, you had Miro picking up the victory over Andrade. Andrade had CJ Perry by his side. Uh, this match, it was... This may be one of my favorite matches of the night. I love this match. Really? Yeah, yeah. This was my favorite match from, from World's End. I hated the ending, but I... I, this was my favorite match. I, I have to say, like, I, the ending, I didn't mind the ending because you, of course, you have the, right before this is where you had the rumors of Andrade uh, stepping aside, but also for the ending, coming down to CJ Perry, helping out Miro get the victory. But even, like, I was watching some video clips that I had of Miro and Andrade, and seeing Miro hit the sidekick right into Andrade's face, I'm like, holy crap. Like, the yeah, two that of them. Was... That was that was tough. That was stiff. Yeah. So, Chris, well, what's your take on it? Uh, I thought it was I, I thought it was great. I mean, it was fine watching it from the last uh, last seat at at uh, in Nassau Coliseum because <laughs> I tried it to get to my seats, but there was two people that were sandwiching in my seat to the point where I probably couldn't sit in it. But luckily, like at the top row of Nassau Coliseum, there's a bunch of like swervy chairs and a nice little ledge that you can sit. So I sat up there uh, behind someone that looked like Brandon, it could possibly P. Brandon. If you guys both check your uh, group, uh, if you guys both check the market out group message, you'll see uh, Brandon sitting there with his Jay White cutout oh, yeah, doing this. I saw this. Yeah, it was yeah, you. He's like, it was me. Brandon was kayfabing us. He was there the entire time. Yeah. I'm legit offended at that, though, because my hair is so much better than that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, was, and then, you know, later in the night at the, during the media scrum, uh, Tony Khan did announce that Andrade Elidolo, uh, his contract is not being picked back up, and uh, he's going to go do his thing. So uh, he's going to be a G, he's going to be a GCW uh, this month, so that's going to be pretty awesome. Um you know, I would like to see Andrade tear the roof down with some guys, uh, some GCW guys. Yeah. So, uh, looking forward to everything that he's going to do. And, you know, potentially if he does make uh, make it back to the Fed or if he goes to New Japan or CMML, uh, rooting for him. Because, uh, you know, he's awesome. Next up after this, Timeless Tony Storm uh, defended her AEW World's Women's Championship against uh, defeating Riho. Um I really haven't seen a lot of Timeless Tony Storm matches since this character change of hers. 
Um, I like it. I like the fact that she just kept going to the body slam for that first half of the match. Um, I liked her mannerisms. Um, it was very fun. Um, go ahead. I, I totally agree with you. I thought that this was a lot of fun. And, you know, there's really not much to take away from this. Tony Storm is, she's on fire. The, she, she was so over, too. You know, we we saw like you know, especially like throughout Tony Storm's career, she's always been like that ride, you know, headbanging uh, rocker chick, uh, looked like Motley Crue, and she's done a total three sixty and has this new character that's just getting over, um, and it's fun, and that's what professional wrestling is supposed to be is real fun. I liked at the end yeah. too after she won, uh, Mariah May comes out the, the rose petals and throws them all over her, and I you know I saw the the pay-per-view feed of it, and they, you know, cut to the black and white, the old-school-looking stuff, and she's, like, laying on the floor. I think it was great. It was fun. Um, yeah. The only thing that I strongly dislike from this character... What? Well, no. One of the things is oh, Luther yeah. getting involved. Why? I hate that. That's a DQ. If you're helping your your the person you're managing advance in the match, that's a DQ. But he, and it happened in, multiple times in every... Reho, uh, that's the thing. That doesn't matter. Yes, it does. You're, you're advancing he, the match. That's that's a rule. That's a, that's the thing. There's too. no. I didn't see any DQ. I mean, the only time that there was actually physicality involved was where Rio jumped into his. That doesn't arms. matter. That does not matter if you're, if even if if Tony Storm or whatever is on his shoulders or Rio's on his shoulders and it's used to do a move that you're. That's a double team move. I'm you're, I, you're using your manager to advance I, right in front of the referee. And you know what the referee did? I, I'm him, aware of the referees the in AEW. Threw, threw him to the back. No, I thought that this, no, I, that's eventually. I am I am totally fine with the involvement. It's not a DQ in my book. I it's agree. part of pro wrestling. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And right. I love I've it. I've seen actual professional referees complain about it. So, well, they are they refereeing for the WWE? Nope. There you go. Enough said. Then it doesn't on. matter. Is it Earl Hebner? It's not Earl Hebner. Earl Hebner's not even on Twitter. Then it doesn't matter. Yeah, and also Swerve it's versus Keith Lee was supposed to happen. However, Keith Lee did not get cleared by doctors, and Dustin Rhodes stepped up to replace him. And I did not think this match was going to be taking place either because Swerve, before the match, beats the absolute crap out of Dustin Rhodes, takes his leg out with a cinder block, and even though he couldn't walk, the match still went on. And I, I feel like this should have been over a lot sooner than it than it was. I think that's everybody's general consensus that this match. I know everybody except for Dustin Rhodes himself. I saw him cursing out some people who. who yeah, so. yeah. I, I, I think collectively we can all agree with that. You know, I thought that with him taking him out with the ankle with the curb stomp, uh, or the swerve stomp, whatever he calls it, through the cinder block. That should have, I mean, there was no reason for him to be carried to halfway the stage, turn back and say, no, let's start the match. I'm going to fight my way through it. And then actually put on like a 15-minute match. <laughs> the match was nine minutes a really and 30 A really good seconds. match. It was a really good match. But yeah. it's like, does Dustin Rhodes need to be built up or is it Swerve that needs to be built up? I don't, yeah, think, Nick, I don't, I don't think this match did either guy any, like, A, I, as, I, as I just said, I sat in the last seat at Nassau Coliseum, and Swerve Strickland got the second biggest pop of the night coming out. And Brandon was doing the Swerve dance right in front of me. 
Um, and everybody, like, I just, I like, I sat there and I just scanned the room and saw everybody doing the na-na dance. And it was just like, seeing the, like where this guy's come from to like where he is now. And also too, like his charisma walking out. Like, yes, he just has his hands in his pockets and his oversized coat and just walks out and does his thing. But it's just like, you can just tell that this guy is like, he's something. He's like a big freaking deal. He and has what the kids these days are calling wit riz. You got said that riz. riz. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, somebody on commentary, I think, I don't know if it was uh, Excalibur or one of the commentators used riz. I was like, oh, dead word. <laughs> I do. I am going to say one of the biggest, loudest boos was where uh, Dustin ended up hitting Nana off of the apron. The yeah. crowd erupted with boos for Dustin for hitting Nana. Yep. But, so, yeah. Um, yeah, but, you know, and, and Swerve said it too afterwards. He goes, he's like, World's End was a waste of my time tonight. He goes, I yeah. should have not been in that match. You know, Keith Lee wasn't there. He goes, he's on to bigger and better things, and hopefully, you know, he gets uh, pushed into the world title picture. The team of Sting, Darby Allen, Chris Jericho, and Sammy Guevara defeated the team of Ricky Starks, Big Bill, and the Don Cowles families, Konosuke Takeshka, and Powerhouse Hobbs. So it was really awesome to see Sting, you know, at the the essentially end of his career, do you know do what he did in the ring that night. Um, and I think that's the one the big thing out of this match is that Sting can, you know, after a, had an almost career threatening injury, came back and is having a nice is having a good run here in AEW. I ag- I agree with I you. Will say, and, huh? I was just gonna say uh, this. I think was Sting's worst match in AEW. Why? Really? So, Come on. I, we're, so, we're, okay, we're hyping so ready, up Sting in, here. In AEW. I know, but we're hyping nah, up Sting dude, here. Like, AEW, so awesome this was his Sting, worst like, match. So the it, thing is... This was... So I feel like Sting knows that this match was not... It, it's not Sting's fault. That's it. Okay, right there. All the other factors about this match that I don't want to talk about even. Yeah, so ready? The, so everything with Sting... Like, I, I, I agree with both. Um, both of you. So with Chris, I, it was so. I mean, me and you spoke about it so often. How just incredible it was to get to see Sting in Nassau Coliseum in a match in twenty twenty, um, especially especially with the seats, the views that we had and that we were able to see, and um, it was just really cool to get to experience Sting live, especially before he he retires for good. Um, but that being said too, there were spots that were a bit sloppy, but on the other hand, I don't put that on to sting. I feel like the people that he was wrestling didn't protect him enough. Like there was times where he would go for a kick and the other person just either wasn't selling the kick or didn't know the kick was coming. Um, there was just a few spots where I'm like, I don't know if I would fully put it on to sting. I mean, the death lock obviously wasn't the greatest, but I, I think Sting probably assumes, or I could assume that Sting knows that he's had a lot better of matches in AEW than that one. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, I mean, still I, awesome. Still and obviously good. that wasn't even supposed to be the match, so I don't know how long they had to to actually put together stuff for that match. Yeah, yeah. it didn't have, it wasn't, bro, what, the week of? Or like a week, two weeks uh, yeah, beforehand? Pretty for, much, yeah. Like the week, I, yeah. Because it, I mean, it was changed... Yeah, it was changed twice before it became the final match, I think. Yeah. I mean, there, there was a few so, cool parts with, like, Big Bill. Um, and who was the other tall guy in the match? Powerhouse Hobbs. 
Yeah, Hobbs and Big Bill, I think they had a lot of cool spots. There was one spot where they took out, I think, Jericho or somebody, and then Starks just did his slide on the apron, like, right into him, and then did his taunt. Uh, so there was still a lot of enjoyable moments of this match. I mean, especially the Lion Tamer with the Scorpion Deathlock was a cool thing, too. Now, if only you had Bret Hart and they're doing a sharpshooter, but, you know. <laughs> to Bill but, Goldberg. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I thought, you know, it was still a cool match. Yeah. But next up, you had Julia Hart pickle the victory over Abaddon to retain her championship. Props to Julia Hart and, and Abaddon, but, you know, we know Abaddon's been solid, but Julia Hart, what an improvement from where she has been. I think she is the best, most improved wrestler of 2023 was Julia Hart, especially coming in with that cheerleader gimmick and then the whole transformation into the House of Black to – what she is now uh people definitely enjoyed this match you know the uh, one thing that we didn't know dave that it, it said that it, the you know the house of black the house Ooh. rules match where the abaddon stipulation was biting was legal so oh. i don't know if they didn't announce that um we were i they must have just said that on commentary they didn't say it uh oh for the crowd itself. yeah yeah they didn't say it over the yeah. the mic or anything but i wish that tied into the end of the match so I, I would have liked because Julia Hart, we know she has the the submission finisher. I would have liked to see her do the submission while biting Abaddon, but that would have been interesting. I mean, she might have turned into a zombie. Maybe she didn't want to bite her. I was kind of <laughs> thinking, like, is it possible to have somebody turn into a zombie or have stuff happen to them after being bitten by Abaddon? I don't know. We'll have to ask like, them. Yeah, right. We'll have to have our people contact those people, but probably the match of the night. Uh, next up, you had match Edge. Of the year. Match of yeah, match of the year. Edge picking up the victory over Christian in a no DQ match to become the new TNT champion. Chris, I'm gonna let you kick us off with this one. So I knew this match was gonna be awesome when Edge, well, Adam Copeland. I'm sorry, I'm always gonna call match when Adam Copeland comes out and he's wearing gear that was eerily similar to his gear from. WrestleMania 22 versus Mick Foley in that hardcore match. He had the same pants. He had the same thing. I looked at Dave or I looked at Sal. And I said, we're getting fire in this match. Just because what was the ending to that match at WrestleMania 22? Edge spears Mick Foley off the apron through a flaming table. It was awesome. It's an iconic thing. And for these two guys to be in their 50s and do what they did was outstanding. And every mm -hmm. single professional wrestler, young, old, whatever, should take notes on the story that these guys told. You know, Christian didn't even make it out to the arena, out of his entrance, because Adam just ran up and just started beating the snot out of him. And they took it all over the entranceway. They took it to our section, where he, they, where Edge dove off the balcony. He dove off one hundred, right between one hundred four and one hundred two hundred four, where we were. Um, they took it all over the place. You know, they had Mama Wayne get involved, Nick Wayne get involved. Um, yes, the table spot got a little botched at the end, but because Nick Wayne's posterior hit, hit the table and flipped over, it kind of saved it to a degree. It would have been. That was a rough spot. It, well, it was a rough spot. <laughs> him going through the table that was on fire or him tipping over it, it would have been good. But Nick Wayne <laughs> is, in my book, and I said this to Dave that night. I think Nick Nick Wayne is now a made man in AEW because of a being involved with this Christian Adam Copeland Christian storyline, and then also to taking a spot like that, being 18 years old, 
Like, and getting the rub from somebody who's like a, a beyond Hall of Famer now. And the and the story arc, because we didn't even say So Edge, Adam Copeland wins the TNT Championship. And what happened earlier in the night? Kill Switch wins a battle royal to win the TNT Championship. He comes out and gives his title shot to Christian after Christian, Christian whispered something in his ear. And which Chris, we still wish we have no idea what he said. We don't know what he says. Christian cashes in. Christian is now your two-time TNT champion. I think the match itself, everybody was going nuts during this match. Like every, and I said it earlier, people were invested in this event. Like this match itself, everybody was just like, "It's go time." When when they when they showed the graphic on there, it was go time. These guys lived up to it. It was the longest match on the card, uh, and for what it was, it was awesome. Um, it got this is awesome chance. You still have it chance. And these guys told an awesome story about how much they hate each other. And, and I'm the just story gonna add... gets to continue now. And it's so awesome. And I'm just getting pumped up right now talking about it. I'm, I'm also going to ha- add that this was the first matchup that we got to see up close after going to leave in our seats to stand for a bit because we were sitting for so long. Well, that's what I so, said. To, that's what I said to you too. I'm like, we should be standing here for the rest of the show because I'm like, it's about yeah. to go to, you know, we're, 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 we're in a manual, manual transmission car here. We're putting it to four. We're just going brother. That's yeah. It. There was so much, so much fun during this matchup. I mean, you had the ladder spots, you had kendo sticks, you had the fire table, yeah, yeah, there was just so much taking place. But yes, as you were saying at the very end with uh, Kill Switch. What, what do you think you he know? said to him? I don't know. I'm Give not me too the sure. contract, you POS. Your father's been extinct. I'm your father now. <laughs> Kill Switch continues, I feel like, to look like trash under that having to trust so many people over and over again. And then but there's, still uh, trusting them. I feel like it's going to be like a bigger story arc. That's going to make out of this story, this Christian Adam Colvin kill switch will look better coming out of this than he did coming in because what, it what looked he, like he was going to smash the contract over Christian's head and, and that he said refused to give him the contract, which, but which is perfect. That's, that's what they what wrestling wants you to think. I do think Edge is now the uh, shortest reigning champion in AEW. Okay, so yeah, it, I'm I, just saying. I think I know, but I who cares? What... It's part of the story too. Like he 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 got to the top of the mountain. You know what do I what do I always say on this podcast? Everybody loves the baby face climb. So he got to the top of it, and now he's just back down to where he started. So you you have to see where it's going to go from here. And it's it's outstanding storytelling. Bravo to both of these men. I really wish they had an Adam Copeland shirt for sale at the merch stands. I I do think that this entire ending, um, at first it was like, oh no, is he going? He, like Killswitch is going to cash in, and then it, he ended up giving it over. And you're like, oh wow, this is going to be done. And then he ended up retaining, well not retaining, but winning the TNT Championship. And it was funny at first. I was like. Huh? But then I was like, you know what? I see the I see more value with Christian as champion with uh, so Killswitch handing him the contract. There's more storyline with Killswitch and Christian. There's more storyline with uh, Nick Wayne and his mom with Kills uh, with Christian and with Edge. 
I feel like you have a ceiling. But with Christian storyline, I don't think the ceiling's even close to being hit yet. No. So I am totally okay with what took place. And plus, hey, I, I told Chris and Sal at the time, we got to see Edge's very first pro wrestling championship outside of WWE. Yeah, it's wild. Since it's, WWE, yeah. I should say. It's a wild, yeah. wild thing. Next up, you have your first... Speaking of wild thing. Yeah, this I'm not. <laughs> Eddie Kingston defeats John Moxley via pinfall, and he is now the inaugural American Triple Crown Champion, recapturing his Ring of Honor World Championship, his New Japan Strong Openweight Championship, and he is the inaugural AEW Continental Championship. Now, this match was so much different from the match that preceded it, where this was more of a J- Japanese strong style match where, and I say this all the time too, you want, you need the roller coaster. And you can't just do it like with New Japan, they just do straight shot right up to the top with with these cards. This like lets you calm down a little bit, get more into the psyche of prof- of professional wrestling and striking and stuff like that. The chops that Eddie Kingston was laying on Moxley, by God. Yes, I know the ring was mic'd up, but they were loud, and everybody was going nuts about them. Um, and I like this match, and I like the fact that they're really giving Eddie Kingston the rub here. You know, this Continental Classic, and I said it to Dave too, he started off 0-2. He came, he came back, he won his league, he went on to uh, go to the finals and win the entire thing. So it really tells you a big underdog story of Eddie Kingston, king of the bums, as they like to say now. And it's it, it, they were his titles, so... I'm like even more happy that he was able to retain the two of them yeah. at least. Um, yeah, I, I I thought that. So I actually think the pacing and the match placement for the entire AEW event was spot on. It was, in my opinion, it was great. Uh, and I think that after having Edge and Christian just blow the roof off to go into this match, which was just hard hitting, uh, very uh, Japanese at the core, uh, J- Japanese-based wrestling at the core of it, the hard-hitting, the chops, every single thing, it made you, it brought you into the match even further because when Moxley and Kingston started chopping each other, everybody was like, just, fe- it was as if you were feeling those chops across your chest because how loud they were. And I was not expecting to enjoy this matchup because on paper, I love this matchup. Yeah, it was fun. And I liked the moment that Eddie and Bryce Remsburg got in the ring uh, after Eddie won all the titles and he gave him all the titles. I thought it was cool that Eddie Kingston paid tribute to uh, Mad Kurt also, who passed away, unfortunately, at the age of 26. Yeah, I saw that. Very nice of him. Eddie Kingston's just a man. And I'm glad. I'm excited to see what they're going to do next with him. And uh, thoughts about, uh, you know what? The Continental, the inaugural Continental Classic, I thought it was awesome. If you're a fan of round-robin wrestling tournaments, if you're a fan of, you know, kind of strong-style wrestling, this was the kind of first of its kind here in the States that's gotten such wide exposure, and I thought they knocked it out of the park, and I hope they do it again next year. Yeah. Yeah. And your main event, we have a new AEW World Champion. Samoa Joe defeats MJF in on Long Island. Uh, via technical demission, choked him out. Uh, you, this is a match that you saw Adam Cole at ringside. Um, and, you know, MJF asked Adam Cole for the Dynamite Diamond Ring. He couldn't find it. Smojo chokes him out, and that's it. Smojo bows out, but the bigger story afterwards is we finally... Was a, by the way, before we continue with that, I think that was a very unexpected ending. 
yes. You know what? Everybody in the crowd, too, was like, whoa, wait, the, the match just ended? What? 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 Oh, my God. And then Samoa Joe just takes his title, raises it up, and walks out. And, you know, then you got the even the uh, Bryce. Bryce was confused by it, even. Yeah, so it's I... Like, I, I think that this ending, I was so baffled by it because we never, I can't even remember the last time we saw somebody pass out after, from that three count of having your arm raised and then drop because WWE doesn't do that anymore. Uh, they used to do that, but you're also used to that, like, after the third, the hand stops right before it's about to hit the ground, and then they start to power up, power up, power up, and you, that's exactly what you were expecting to see with MJF, but we didn't get that power-up moment because of how powerful Samoa Joe was. I thought that this was an incredible swerve, um, and I loved it. I, li- I also liked MJF's video package before it came out. Oh, man, that was fantastic. Yeah, hilarious. Fantastic. Got Bagel Boss Bagel in there. Bagel Boss is trash, though. I'll, I'll keep saying that. Bagel Boss is the worst bagel place on Long Island. But, Why? But uh, Ben's... It's just trash. Their I like Bagel Boss. tiny with giant-ass like holes in the middle. Nah, they're yeah. terrible. Sign me up. I'm, I'll go to Bagel Boss any day. Brandon, you're not invited. Yeah. No, nah, that's fine. I'll continue to trash Bagel Boss. I don't care. Yeah, come yeah on Bagel Boss, this is a Brandon thing. Me and Chris love you still. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I'll go there tomorrow. But something, anything else to say about this matchup? Well, we got to talk about the end. Okay. The so, end before, the- so before we go on to the next... Thing, what I do want to say, something that really did surprise me, and I brought it up to you, Chris, was that the crowd started to empty after MJF lost. Okay. And I'm like, this is a pro wrestling event. Why are they leaving right now? There's still the devil and so much taking place. And I don't know if it wasn't because it was late, but I feel like there was just so many people there for MJF and for his title reign and for him representing Long Island that once he lost, so many people started to leave. And I was like, what the hell? We still have the devil reveal and stuff. So, but yes, let's go into the big reveal. Adam Cole's the devil. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, he's got a band of henchmen that consists of Roderick Strong, the Kingdom, and Wardlow, who uh, ribbed all of us by saying that he was on uh, vacation in Europe. But he was uh, really, he was in Long Island on vacation. Uh, so Adam Cole has been working about this the entire time, you know, led uh, MJF to break his guard down and uh, gain a new friend, only to stab him right in the back, which I love. Yeah. I know people are like, I, oh, I, my God, it's so predictable. It's great. It's perfect. So I, I think that was it predictable. Of course. But I'm OK. Yeah, but, but I'm OK with that. I mean, we were talking before. We're like. Who who is it like realistically? Realistically, who did people think it was going to be? It was going to be Adam Cole, Britt Baker, maybe MJF himself. I mean, outside of that, but why would MJF do all that stuff to himself? It was never going to be Jungle Boy. Yeah, but see, but that's what that's the thing though is that for them to work with Samoa Joe here just to get the Ring of Honor tag team titles. That doesn't make sense. Well, Joe it's not, it's not just a, to get the... Yes, it was just to get that and to get the, the title off of MJF, but... Exactly. Joe That's the bigger Roddy thing, to get the title from MJF. The, but the yeah, bigger but thing Samoa was the Joe MJF and Roderick stuff. Strong had a huge feud, and for some reason, now they're friends. Wardlow and Samoa Joe, over his dead father, had a feud. And Wardlow's just standing there, oh, I'm fine but with it's that. Not, 
Well, but meanwhile, he's coming for MJF's title. How does any of that make sense? Wardlow, first off, Wardlow didn't have any interaction with Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe was not even in the ring or he at ringside. He helped Samoa Joe get that championship. No, they the did The championship Samoa, he wanted. No, Samoa nobody, Joe. Nobody helped Samoa Joe no, get that championship. Samoa Hello, Joe. They, they beat him down on, on Dynamite. They that was all on helped Dynamite. Him. Nobody was out there. They all helped him. Yes, uh, that's NASA them Coliseum, helping him. Nobody was there at all. Samoa Joe was not even at ringside. And you know what? That is exactly Samoa why Samoa Joe was Joe part of that with the segment devil. on Dynamite. He didn't work with Wardlow. He worked with the Devil. Yes, he did. He worked with Wardlow. That's part of the Devil. Okay, so who do you think? Okay, so so Brandon, who did you want it to be? Uh, this storyline jumped the shark months ago. I didn't care. Who okay, it but was. it was obviously that going to be Adam Cole. So who it did was you? Obvious that the, that the Kingdom were there. So who... it was obvious that Wardlow was there. He wore his own boots in the segments. Okay, so your only peeve is that it was Wardlow in the Kingdom. It's my peeve is that it's dumb for them for Samoa Joe to be okay with all of that, or for them to be okay with that, especially Wardlow. Well, they, they, he it was literally his father had died. And he grew his hair out for his dead father. And Samoa Joe took that from Wardlow. Why is Wardlow, who's paying tribute to his father who passed away, gets that taken from him, now going to be okay with Samoa Joe? Well, who also knows what kind of an agreement Wardlow has with the devil himself? Remember, all of these are deals with the devil. It was a ending. This is why they call it a deal with the devil. I'm true. I don't know. We're all going to disagree, but I enjoyed the ending. I expected... It to be Adam Cole, and guess what? I'm okay with the expectation being what took place. My only critique would have been that it would have been cool to have Somebody a on flash the on the, yeah, the yeah. flash on the screen on the big screen of the devil in the mask, and then have the reveal, maybe him take off the mask and then cut to ringside or something like that. But outside of that, I, I I'm a fan of it. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it too. I think that, um, you know, Wardlow said to MJF several times over the past couple months, I'm going to take everything from you. And what did he do? And what was he a part of? And also, also, you have to think, too, that this is like a huge elaborate plan that, like, Adam Cole's having this feud with Roderick Strong just to throw MJF off. That's I'm so ba- true. And like, and Roderick Strong has been putting on this big facade with a neck brace and having a mustache and like, you know, doing this like uh, six degrees of separation of the devil thing just to throw MJ off. So this was just a large, elaborate plan for MJ to get thrown off from everybody that could be involved. That was involved to have them think that they don't. He he doesn't think that they're the devil, and it worked. But now it's. But now I want to know. I'm, obviously, we're recording before Dynamite, so we don't know what happens. But now there's nine people who should be gunning for five people. What are those nine people? So, what are the nine yes. people? The acclaimed. One, two, three. Okay, three. With Billy Gunn. Yes, okay. Uh, the the Bullet Club Gold. Okay. That's f- seven. Okay. MJF. Okay, but MJF right now is allegedly not a contracted AEW talent as they've taken his name off uh, the current talent uh, list on the AEW website. And then who am I missing? Hangman Adam Page. Nine people. Perfect. So start slowly but surely filtering them in. 
on Dynamite, you have, you know, they come out and explain all their actions, and then you set up the first story. Maybe it's the acclaimed, or maybe it's Hangman Page. It looks like Hangman Page and Samoa, Samoa Joe called Hangman Page out uh, during his media scrum, so maybe that's where Hangman Page goes first, because he was involved with the devil as well. So... The, one, it's, it's like it's like the the story of like you know MJF and the Devil. This was like the first act, and now there is going to be a second act of this, where like and, you know maybe in three months MJF will just run out of the crowd and start beating up Adam Cole who's uh, in the ring, or maybe that'll happen tonight on Dynamite. Who and and yeah, and and something that I think is really interesting that I didn't think about was that all these people were pulling the. The, the wool. wool over the eyes and everything because yeah. Roger Strong was wearing the neck brace. Yeah, I mean, and also they're all coming together due to their hatred to MJF. Who's not to say that Wardlow, after everything with um, with that Vegas event and stuff, he could easily say, I hate MJF. I hate him because this was my moment to shine. I was supposed to win a championship that night, and guess what everybody was talking about? It was whether or not you were going to appear at the damn match or not. And that took so much away from me. So if they go with it because of pure hatred, hey, just like what Christian said, this is just act one. Sign me up. I want to see what's next. Well, you know, the the, the devil and his group of uh, merry men uh, will have some uh, words tonight on Dynamite. But that was World's End. Um, being there, I know it was a lot different experience from watching on TV, and I loved every minute of it. I had fun. I had a great time. I bought a Danhausen mask, um, and let's hope there's more events at the Nassau Coliseum. But this time, they uh, properly fill it with food. So, By the way, the amount of people saying this was the worst AEW pay per view of the year—I thought this was one of their best, if not the best pay per view they did. That's this Twitter, season. okay? Twitter doesn't I, mean dude, Twitter doesn't mean s. Well, now I'm, hold on a second. Hold on a I'm second. Also, <laughs> I'm also. Oh, what? Oh, now rating it. Cage match is now rating it like the lowest of the low, but and that's something Tony Khan apparently said that he now uses. So I, I am going to say that this was definitely one of my favorite AEW events. Um, but on the other hand, they had <laughs> look at what they didn't have though. You didn't have the Bucks. Kenny Omega. You did not have the Young Bucks. You did not have Hangman Page. You did not have um, who am I? And keep uh, them off a of TV. <laughs> Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks. Hangman Page, you didn't have Bushi that wasn't entire on it, like... elite. You didn't have that elite involvement into this event. And guess what? Nothing, absolutely nothing got taken away from this event being as great as it was. Yeah. You don't need you don't need to book Kenny Omega. You don't need to book the Young Bucks to go over on every single pay-per-view. Yeah. So well, I mean in a Kenny, perfect world, Kenny Omega would have been on this pay-per-view and won the tag team titles. <laughs> that's yeah, most that's likely would have. That's had, true. So we'll we'll leave. I'm just gonna better. leave it with the Young Bucks then, and get get a speedy recovery to Kenny Omega. All right. So <laughs> I'm gonna bid you, uh, in, in the words of Kenny Omega, I'm gonna say uh, good night, and good goodbye, or whatever Ugh. whatever it says. <laughs> Dave will too. By the way, I'm gonna talk about Dynamite right now, and it opened up with. Footage from Samoa Joe from right after World's End saying that MJF cheated to win the last time that they wrestled, so he tur- he turned everyone against him, and he took everything from him. That, to me, sounds like Samoa Joe is being the devil. Obviously, that's not the case. 
The show itself actually opens up with Adam Cole and the Kingdom and Wardlow and Roderick Strong now dubbed the Undisputed Kingdom, which I wish they would stop using. I mean, come on. We know what the Undisputed Era is. We don't need the same similar sounding name in AEW. But he called everybody stupid who didn't see it coming that he would be the devil. Obviously, I agree with that. And he said that MJF is gone. He's never coming back. So the storyline, who cares about the storyline? The whole focus of the storyline was MJF. But he spoke about Wardlow being reset almost and, and having to be built up again to be champion. And when he's built up again, Wardlow will win the title and hand him the championship or something. We're already going through that storyline with Killswitch and Christian. What I don't. Why do they need to reset Wardlow? Why could why 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 did Samoa Joe have to win the title? Why couldn't they just give the title to Wardlow? Or why couldn't they help Wardlow get the title? That doesn't make sense to me. I still don't understand that involvement with Samoa Joe. It does not make sense at all. But Jay White showed up and actually put Adam Cole over for what he did to MJF. But he's also pissed off because they did what they did to him. And the guns showed up. They brawled with them. Undisputed Kingdom beat them down because they were a man up, which is what I spoke about before. Um, and then the Acclaim ran down. United Kingdom. Le- uh, United Kingdom? What is their names? Undisputed Kingdom. I feel like that's going to happen to me a lot. Uh, but the, the Undisputed Kingdom left and then the acclaimed and the bullet club gold like faced off at each other and bullet club bullet club gold left first match of the evening saw orange cassidy pick up the victory over dante martin to retain that championship on rampage top flight and action andretti picked up the victory over the best friends which was surprising to see them pick up that victory but That match didn't really do anything to sell the pay-per-view because most of them ended up in that 20-man battle royal, but it sets up this match. And Orange Cassidy in this match spent some time injuring Dante Martin on the outside of the ring, and Dante had a comeback and actually included some Orange Cassidy kicks in that comeback, which I thought was fun. I missed this version of Dante Martin. I feel like it's been months since we've seen this version of him. So I enjoyed that match. Top flights music randomly hit afterwards and it completely killed the crowd. And then private parties music hit and they showed up to reintroduce themselves and they put all the teams on notice, including the Hardy boys. So there's like no mention or breakup storyline as to why brother Zay is no longer brother Zay, but it's good to see Mark Wen back. It's good to see private party back. I just wish there was storyline involvement there. Um, and ultimately I felt bad that, that that part of the segment happened where they, I guess they were probably supposed to play private party's theme song but here's the private party being back after that tony storm was interviewed and told renee that she's leaving to go to manhattan 
because she's in Jersey, doesn't want to be in Jersey. She doesn't care about watching Mariah May's match. And then we get to Mariah May's match. She picks up the victory over Queen Aminata, uh, which was, I think, a fine debut for Mariah May. Uh, Aminata had a, a comeback during this match, and the fans were going nuts for her. They were very, very behind her. But the bigger story from this, well, not the biggest story, but the bigger story from the match is that Tony Storm does not care about Mariah May. Maybe she'll eventually be like, well, screw you. I don't care about you anymore. To the point where maybe I was thinking she would be the next champion. But Renee interviewed her afterwards. And Deanna Perrazzo returned to AEW. And I think the last time we saw her was May 2022. Which was not great because the circumstances that she was put under, but she ended up telling Mariah May to tell Tony Storm that she's all elite. And Mariah May said that she's not a messenger. Go tell her yourself. And it it led to blows and Deanna Perrazzo came out on top, but I'm pumped to see Deanna Perrazzo there. I do literally think that she's one of the best female wrestlers that are on the not on the scene. Is that, yeah, I'll say on the scene. <laughs> and uh, I'm excited to see more of Deanna Perrazzo in AEW. After that, Christian and his group, the Patriarchy, whatever, came out. And uh, it's very interesting that Nick was like completely unscathed from that table spot. But Christian ends up thanking himself for putting an end to Edge and made it seem like he was going to thank Killswitch in that moment. But then obviously thanks himself, which I think is funny. And Christian was kind of pretending that Edge didn't even beat him. And I think that was also funny because that's like on brand for this Christian character. And he also said that he'll hand the title off sometime to Nick Wayne when he's ready. So we discussed it before. Killswitch continues to look stupid, but it does seem like he'll be the next TNT champion. On Rampage last week, Ruby Soho picked up the victory over Marina Shafir. But the big story from that is that Harley Cameron is officially in the outcast now. And that got covered on Dynamite just to make it official. And in that match from Rampage, she caused a lot of distractions. And Ruby Soho ended up getting that victory over Marina Shafir while holding the tights to pick up that victory. I said that weird. But the backstage segment that took place on Dynamite, it seemed like something was going on between Soraya and Harley Cameron. And I don't know where they're leading that angle to. But we'll see where that leads. After that, Takeshita picked up the victory over Darby Allen, And I think they spent way too much time on the outside including a double roll chaos theory on the ramp from Takeshita. But this match I thought was still really good. Takeshita at one point looked like he hurt his knee and they kept going and it went a lot longer than I thought it was going to. And he beat the absolute hell out of Darby Allen to the point where I'm like, oh, 
this is the point where Darby Allen he'll he'll have his his comeback and and hundred percent he'll he's gonna pick up that victory. But that wasn't the case, thankfully. He hit that uh, avalanche German suplex. Somehow Darby Allen was still up from that, and then Takeshita rocked him with that running knee and picked up that victory. And I think Takeshita desperately needed that victory, desperately. And I think he could t- he needs to continue to win. But then Don Callis went out and laid a challenge to Sting and Darby Allen for next week. So we all know how that goes. There's no way Sting is losing unless they want to shock me in Daly's place next week. But I don't see Sting picking up his first loss. Unless this is the road to Sting versus Darby or something. I have no idea. But all signs pointed to Keshta losing. After that, Trent Beretta picked up the victory over Brian Cage, Brian Keith, and Vikingo. And now he gets a Continental Championship match against Eddie Kingston. Danhausen got involved to try and curse Brian Cage, but Brian Cage scooped him up, and then Keith and Vikingo took Brian Cage out. Trent somehow won this. I thought Brian Cage had this match locked. I thought he had that victory locked. I thought he was going to be the one to go to, I think, Collision to get that match, but that's not the case. Um, and then after this, at like 9.40, Hangman showed up and said that he's going to beat Adam Cole or somebody. And then we fast forward to the main event where Swerve picks up the victory over Daniel Garcia. Um... Daniel Garcia and Prince Nana did like a dance off outside the ring. And I don't think the referee was counting at all. So that's annoying. But outside of that, I thought they had a good match. Uh, Swerve ends up pushing Matt Menard around a little bit. He was on commentary and Daniel Garcia ends up trying to put a sharpshooter on Swerve on the commentary table, I guess he didn't realize how small of a space he had to turn him over. So they go tumbling to the ground. They both obviously recover. Some good false finishes. Uh, But obviously Swerve was going to win this and needed to win this. Match is over. He goes to shake Daniel Garcia's hand. Prince Nana low blows him from behind. And then Matt Menard jumps in, only to get kicked below the belt. And then Hangman, at I think 10.01 or something like that, comes out to fight Swerve. I got jumped by Adam Cole, Roderick Strong, Wardlow, Matt Taven, and Mike Bennett, but let me go fight Swerve again? Why? We were supposed to be done with that feud. It just ended. Why are we going back to that? I thought that was so goofy, but that's AEW Dynamite. Gonna take a quick little break right now, and I'll be right back here on Marking Out. Yo, yo, what's up, y'all? This is DMC in the place to be. And the only place for you to ever be is right here listening to Marking Out. That's all it's about. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out episode 674. 
Going to kick it over to some Monday Night Raw. Monday WWE, Night Nitro. WWE Day 1, which uh, is absolutely crazy that they sold out Monday Night Raw. Like, completely. Of all the seats that they put on sale, at least. It opened up with Michael Cole and Wade Barrett in the show to basically welcome everybody and hype up the show. The very first match of Monday Night Raw, though. Saw Nia Jax pick up the victory over Becky Lynch. Crowd was super hot for this match. And I don't know if anybody saw the end coming. Like, I was surprised. How You must have been surprised, too. Yeah, I was very surprised by this ending. Um, but it definitely made a big statement that Nia Jax is here to make a statement. Uh, and that uh, she is not somebody that is to be on the, the roster and overlooked or shadowed by anybody, uh, especially Becky Lynch. So for her to come out with the victory over Becky Lynch, I think that that is hu- a big thing, especially as we enter 2024. And a lot of people are saying that might have been her best match. I really still wish people would stop being like, oh, Nia Jax sucks. Because that match, I very much so enjoy. I think that she's had plenty of good matches in the past before. I think so as well. But this Nia Jax, since she's been back, I think she's been very, very different. And I'm I'm a big fan of Nia Jax getting that push. I liked inside the match, she reversed the manhandle slam from the middle rope. Rocked Becky Lynch with the, the Samoan drop from the middle rope. And then that ending of the match, Becky Lynch apparently got, like, shoot busted open from a a punch from Nia Jax, which I think is great that it kind of, not kind of, it ties into the the whole reason why this match was set Mm -hmm. up from five years ago. And Becky Lynch, again, was left a bloody mess. So I thought that worked well. After that, we saw Cody Rhodes come out. And he basically said that he's stuck on Nakamura and it should be over. And then he called Shinsuke out and Nakamura showed up on the screen in the the same style of video that we've seen. And basically said next week. So next week on Monday Night Raw, we're going to see Shinsuke Nakamura versus Cody Rhodes. Part of me wishes they did a uh, bull rope match or something like they did at the holiday tour. Mm -hmm. But I completely understand why (laughs) why they wouldn't do that. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That would have been cool if they were going to do a match like that, but I'm okay if they don't. Yeah. After that, Kofi Kingston and Jey Uso picked up the victory over Imperium via ref stoppage. Uh, Before we talk about the ref stoppage, I think it was cool to see Kofi Kingston and Jey Uso team because they've been such longtime opponents. But... Ultimately, it sucks that this match ended the way it it did. Yeah, and on the, I mean, on another side, I'm actually very happy to see that the match did end when it did, right? Because you have a lot of people out there with I don't know, we don't know specifically what happened yet. Uh, if it was a broken jaw, if it was chest pain, if it was a concussion, we there's only speculation, I believe, right now. But no matter what it was. To stop the match for the better of all the performers within the ring, uh, Vinci being the main performer, I think that's a huge, huge call to make. Very important call. Very uh, gutsy 
call as well because of the impact that it is having on everybody in that ring. But also when you get back through that curtain, what's the repercussions of you calling off this match or stopping it? Uh, there's not. What do you mean? They're probably putting the guy over. Sean Bennett exactly. called off never the match. Know. It was a medical injury. Exactly. But you never know. So for somebody to actually take a stand and say, I'm stopping it, kudos. Yeah, and Vinci did tweet out saying that he was fine, so hopefully that is the case. Like Dave said, we don't know what happened. Obviously, Kofi rocked him with a a dropkick off that springboard he was doing, and Sean called for the match, so kudos to him. After that, Miz TV took place where they announced that the Judgment Day were going to be the guests. It was R-Truth who came out by himself, and Miz asked R-Truth, as if it was still part of the Judgment Day, what his role is in the group. And he basically said that he's doing everything. He's doing PR for them, which popped me. And Dominic and JD McDonough ended up coming out to stop R-Truth in this segment. And Dominic, in his hometown, getting the booze that he was getting, I thought was fantastic. We say that literally every week about him being booed, but this was in his hometown, and that I just that was so good. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think that this entire everything with this was just hilarious. I mean, even our truth telling JD McDonough that he wasn't in <laughs> Judgment Day, so he should leave. I, mean, I thought that was really funny. You you even had our truth bring up little Jimmy. Yeah, well, I think Miz brought that up first. I. I only remember our truth bringing up little Jimmy, but it was really, really awesome. We haven't had uh, the Miz and our truth as a tag team in a long time. Awesome truth. Um, so and Dominic, Dominic laid out that challenge, and our truth thought it was a strange bedfellows match, which popped the absolute hell out of me because. Obviously, if you know yeah. a strange bedfellows And, and I match, like how yes. R-Truth was just playing playing around being like, yeah, no, but I'm still in Judgment Day and everything like that. I mean, even the match. We saw the awesome Truth pick up the victory over J.D. McDonough and Dominic Mysterio, but R-Truth kept trying to tag out to Dominic, and I thought that was a really funny spot. And then at one Dude, point, yeah. he got out of the ring in their corner. J.D. McDonough's focused on the match but makes the tag, mistakenly tags R-Truth. And then, like, realizes after the fact. But I thought that was just such a funny move. And J.D. McDonough tried to get R-Truth be like, oh, we're in Judgment Day. Help me out. And he tried to, to get R-Truth to help him hit Miz. And Miz ducked it. J.D. ended up getting hit. And R-Truth, before he did that, said, I love you. Thank you. I love you. Or whatever. Like, uh, <laughs> Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 24. And that's just... It was just such a fun match on Monday Night Raw, and I'm so happy that R-Truth is in this position because it's so enjoyable. Yeah, I totally agree with you. After that, we had Chelsea Green and Piper Niven meeting up with Katana Chance and Caden Carter in the club, basically just saying that they're going to be going to Nick Aldis for a rematch. They're going to go over Adam Pierce's head, and uh, Katana Chance is like, well, we'd give you a rematch, but we're celebrating our victory. I assume maybe we will see a rematch eventually, but it was a, a cool that we got like an in the club sort of segment between them. It made me super dizzy though, with all those like flashing lights and the cameras and everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I thought it was uh, 
pretty much a, a unique setting that we got a, uh, a scenario in for a backstage segment. Yep. Uh, next up, you had Rhea Ripley pick up the victory over Ivy Nile to retain the championship. Ivy Nile put up a fight, though. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen a lot more from Ivy Nile in this, but I'm glad that she got everything that she got in. And she comes out looking, I think, even stronger again. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think, I mean, going into this, you didn't expect Ivy Nile to go over Rhea Ripley. No, not at all, no. You know, I did expect that we maybe would have seen a surprise person like show up afterwards for Rhea. So I don't know what, obviously we haven't even hit the Royal Rumble yet. So I don't know, obviously, what WrestleMania looks for Rhea Ripley. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that for what took place, though, Ivy Nile definitely was made strong. Um, it didn't take anything away from her, but I thought that this was a, a good good match for it. Yeah. After that, there were rumors via Triple H uh, that a, a former champion would be appearing on Monday Night Raw. And they started to circulate over the weekend, and Triple H went to Twitter to say that he's not confirming it or denying it. And then it very much so became true. Fast forward to Monday Night Raw. They make a big thing about it. Ladies and gentlemen, a former WWE champion. Crowd is super hyped up. And then Jinder Mahal's music hit and Jinder shows up. People went silent. And he cut a promo putting America down. I I, first of all don't think it makes sense that Jinder was even why people would think it was gender because we like he to me that wouldn't be a returning superstar because he was just on monday night raw less than two months ago i think so Mm -hmm. so he was using very familiar words and phrases in his promo to put down america and the rock ends up showing up uh which if you rewind to earlier in the day pat mcafee had his game day gimmick 30-minute flight from San Diego, and The Rock was there. And, and I wish that you never texted me. Well, I'm Brandon sure you texted seen it anyway. Me. Brandon texted me about the... No, I wouldn't have. I don't go in there. What do you mean? You always send me stuff. He he. Brandon sent me a message about The Rock being on McAfee, and then also sent me a picture of... Nick Khan ESPN, blame ESPN. They posted Nick Khan in the background. You did not have to send it to me. For me, the entire thing was spoiled. Thank you, Brandon. I wish um, Indusheer was with him, but I also but would have wanted them to beat The Rock down, so I'm glad that they're not part of this. I I definitely think that... I, I definitely am a fan of Judas, uh, Jinder Mahal. Um, I think that everything that he did in the ring was great. I think that his verbal skills was awesome he roped the crowd in he got them to all unify in hate against him yeah. um and he and ends then, up attacking the rock after the rock sang his own version of the star spangled banner mm-hmm. the rock obviously had to come back and the big thing out of this thing was him questioning oh, i'm gonna go out and get food should i sit in a booth a bar or at the head of the table the segment itself i think went way too long but it's The Rock, so... And I'm very happy, by the way, they did not censor it. God bless them at USA Network for not censoring this. Yeah, thank goodness. I think in Canada they were censoring it, so... 
I'm I'm very happy. Yeah, because you know how much I hate that. You know, it completely ruined that segment when he returned with McAfee on Fox. But I think this this opens the door for The Rock to wrestle in Australia at Elimination Chamber in a sixty thousand maybe plus seat um, stadium. Probably main event the Elimination Chamber with Roman Reigns and maybe pass on the the torch to Roman. I don't so think this don't, is the end for Cody at all. I don't really know even if it would be passed to Reigns or more so just being able to give a free uh, throughway to Cody Rhodes being the person to go in there. But I'm looking forward to it a lot. Whatever I'm like, place. I'm still set with Cody winning the Royal Rumble again. Yeah. So, but next up, you had Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark pick up the victory over Nat he and Tegan Knox. Um, this match having didn't to do follow, yeah, having to me. follow The Rock, I think, is super tough. And they were not given a lot of time to do it. And I think Zoe Stark, for me at least, needed to to win this. So I was, I wish this went longer, and I wish they had more time, obviously. But I think. For what it was, it was fine. And Zoe Stark now has a win over Natalia and Tegan Knox, as well as Shayna Baszler has the, the victory. Yeah. But next up in the main event of the evening, you had Seth Rollins pick up the victory over Drew McIntyre to retain the championship. Um, Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre put on a great main event for our very first Monday Night Raw of 2024. Yeah. yeah. And... Damian Priest and Dominic Mysterio made their way out, and Damian Priest hit Seth Rollins with the briefcase. Drew McIntyre hit a Claymore into Damian Priest with that briefcase, and then Dominic ends up getting involved. Seth ends up with a a Claymore to his face as well. He has his feet on the bottom rope for that final three count. That was a fantastic spot. And Drew McIntyre got pissed off, cleared off the commentary table. Seth ends up hitting a pedigree on that table. And we see Seth get him back in the ring, hits the stomp, picks up the victory. And that's the close of Monday Night Raw. And I really feel like in that time, we could have seen Damian Priest and Dominic still kind of jump Seth Rollins after. He was still like knocked out from the match where there could have been enough like energy loss where if they jump him he could cash in successfully uh-huh. so I, I just it would have been really cool to see Drew McIntyre walk out as champion I don't know what's next for the for for the championship what's next for McIntyre here Yeah, I don't know I mean I feel like it, you're going to be seeing McIntyre and Priest um, as a side piece right now because McIntyre and Priest have been going at it for a while. So I feel like McIntyre Priest is going to be maybe at Chamber. And then Rollins seems to be lined up with CM Punk. Yeah, very much so. But that's for me, that's WrestleMania. Yeah, but I would, again, I, I don't think I don't think Punk and and Rollins needs the championship, but maybe that's no. what it'll it'll be. I don't know. Yeah, I but agree with you. That's that's Monday Night Raw moving over to NXT New Year's Evil. It opened up with Lyra Valkyria picking up the victory over Blair Davenport to retain the NXT Women's Championship. The double stomp that Blair Davenport did from the top rope 
had me think that Lyra Valkyria was legitimately knocked out. That was such like a brutal blow, and I thought they were gonna like call off the match. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm glad that was not the case. And then later on, that Falcon Arrow from Blair from the top rope that was insane. So yeah, that was a nice spot. She looked great in this match. Lyra Valkyria looked great, and I'm happy that she ended up winning. Afterwards, though, Lola Vice ran down as if she was going to go cash in her 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 breakout tournament contract. I don't know when these things became like Money in the Bank-esque. Mm-hmm. But uh, Tatum Paxley put a stop to her. Electra Lopez attacked Tatum, and then Lyra helped Tatum out. So we got that from them. Uh, we also saw later on Nikita Lyons approach Blair Davenport and tell her that she could have easily taken her out from behind like she did to her, but she's not about that. She wants another match, though. And Blair Davenport basically said there's not going to be one. And then they argued, and Wesley Blake was one of the people who break, broke it up, so it's always cool to see him on TV. I didn't even know that he was with WWE, too. I think he's at least been I there for quite some time at this point. Yeah, I, I otherwise I totally forgot about it. Yeah. Next up, you had the L W O pick up the victory over No Quarter Catch Crew. Dragon Lee, by the way, was unfortunately stuck in Mexico with visa issues. So we so... had a nice replacement being the return to NXT of. Carlito. After 14 years, he was a season one uh, pro, mm-hmm. I think, for Michael Tarver, if I'm not mistaken. Huh. Um, but I'm I'm glad that that they mentioned that Charlie Dempsey was in all Japan wrestling for the Triple Crown over there. He did lose, but uh, overall, this match, LWO no no quarter catch crew, I thought was a fun match, and. I think we have our first viral clip of 2023 with Joaquin Wild, mm-hmm. and that that aided springboard that he did to the outside was just like he went so far. That was insane. So I thought that was really cool. The yeah, that ending... was that 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 got me that just launching him. I texted you. I was like, "Holy crap!" And then, of course, it sparked the debate whether or not that was the the longest uh, launch on TV for a wrestler or whatever. And then Angelico chimed in. So there's definitely maybe it could be Angelico who has that because he has some crazy dives on TV as well. But for 2024, I think I said 2023 before, (laughs) that spot with Joaquin Wilde was insane. And the only thing that I wish was different was at the end of the match, the referee didn't even try to get Carlito out of the ring. And I wish that that they tried to do that. Yeah, I can agree with that. After that, though, we saw Ariana Grace pick up the victory over Roxanne Perez via referee reversal. And I thought this was a good match. Ariana Grace cheated in this match and still originally lost. But she ends up getting in Roxanne's face and Roxanne snapped. She attacked Ariana Grace, she locked her in that that submission, and the referee decided to reverse the the decision. I don't know when the last time we've seen that, but I was very, very happy that we saw something like that. Yeah, you don't get it too often. Not at all. Yeah, I can't even remember last time that happened. 
I was a big um, fan of that happening because like that's that's the rules of pro wrestling. Yeah, I, I know that it has happened, but I just don't remember when. Um, but I thought that this match was really good. Um, the one thing that I did was like was where Roxanne Perez she locked in everything on Grace for a long time, wouldn't let go and everything. But after that, Grace was able to still crawl out of the ring, and then when she was on the outside, she was just overselling a little bit. Very reminded me very much of the Iconics with in selling. But I mean, I, that, think, I could see her being a very similar character to the Iconics. Yeah, but you know, with that selling, I kind of after a submission without with the reversal being from there, I kind of wanted her to just lay down and stay there uh, for a little bit longer. But that's really, really heavy critiquing. Uh, after that, we saw Ava backstage, where we finally kind of know that. There is some sort of bridge of her acting like as a bridge between the the roster and Shawn Michaels because of the talk that she had with Paul Heyman. Paul, she said something like, he told me that Shawn Michaels could use some help or whatever getting to the roster. Something like that. And she ends up announcing the Men's Dusty Classic will start next week. And throughout the night, we saw a bunch of teams form and and stuff like that where we saw Braun Breaker and Baron Corbin backstage and Baron Corbin actually pitched to Braun Breaker being a tag team with him for the the Dusty Classic Braun Breaker was like why would I do that and Corbin's like well we're basically the same person people Mm. hate us and I think they could make it to the finals of the Dusty Classic I, th- I think that they could too, but I'm going to say that I hope that they don't win because I've been saying this for the past. Uh, I want an actual tag team to win a, the, the Dusty Classic. The original mm-hmm. Dusty Classic? Baron Corbin well, made it to the finals with a random partner. Who won? He, Sammy? It was it was uh, Samoa Joe and Finn Balor. Balor, yeah. And they beat Rhino and Baron Corbin. Yeah, I'm not a fan of random tag team. I want LWO in there. I want no quarter catch. I want Creed. I, I want the Creed I brothers. I don't want I, LWO in there at all. LWO is a main roster. Well, I, I just I want, want and I want actual tag teams. I want actual well, tag uh, teams. Uh, we also had um, Axiom and Nathan Fraser. They ended up entering. And Nathan Fraser, I thought was really funny. He's like trashing... The current, <laughs> the current uh, rosters and everything, yeah. And and um, Idris Anofi and and Malik Blade showed up from behind, and it was like the same thing as last week with with Axiom trying to be like brother, like people are here. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was funny. Uh, we also saw Fallon Henley pick up the victory over Tiffany Stratton, where uh, now Tiffany Stratton has to be her ranch hand. And I really hope they play it off like The Simple Life. And I feel like they will. But uh, Tiffany Stratton grabbed a chair at one point and Fallon Henley stopped it. And then Tiffany got into a tug of war with the the referee over the chair. And Fallon Henley rocked her with a Shining Wizard, I think it was, to pick up the victory. Which I think the the ending was kind of weird. But if it turns into like Nicole Richie and Paris Hilton on The Simple Life, I'm all for it. I know... Mickey James tweeted out saying, hey, we can use some help at the farm. So I think that'd be pretty cool if they included her in that. 
Yeah, that would be nice. We also saw Gigi Dolan and Cora Jade arguing backstage. We'll we'll see that match next week. Yeah, we had to sit down with Ridge Holland backstage, just really redefining who he is, what he's doing in NXT. Um, do you think just that we're going to say gonna that see... he's not a monster? Yeah. Do you? I mean, obviously, that means that we're going to see more of him being maybe injuring somebody. Yeah, that's what it seems like. I don't know though. Unfortunately, I don't know if that... I, he he also said that he's there to prove to everybody that. Like and show everybody who he is. So mm-hmm. maybe not. Hopefully not. I don't. Know. I don't want to see that. Yeah. The the next match up was Obafemi picking up the victory over Riley Osborne to win that breakout tournament. I enjoyed this match a lot. I, I think- was a big fan of this matchup. I mean, Riley Osborne. Uh, I love him going for that shooting star press just to have the knees to the chest of uh, with Obafemi catching him. Obafemi is a beast, and I think that this match definitely showed who Femi and Osborne were to the audience even further, but it also said that Femi is somebody to be reckoned with. Yeah. We also had Thea Hale and JC Jane involved in that segment, and backstage... Andre Chase and Duke Hudson were, they put Riley over, and Andre Chase wants to enter the Dusty Cup. JC Jane shut that down. And she put Duke Hudson and Riley Osborne together because Andre Chase has been dealing with everything super down on his luck. Yeah. Uh, and just big time gambling debt, I guess. And we also saw Tony D'Angelo and Stax. They were annoyed that Andre Chase got them in a predicament where they now have to defend their titles against OTM next week. We also learned that Adriana Rizzo is the woman who's been with them as of late. So I'm glad that she finally got a name. And also Joe Gacy was in Mm -hmm. the the trunk there, which was interesting. Um, We also saw Kiana James and Izzy Dame get interviewed where Kiana James put Izzy over and said that, Izzy Dame's not afraid of any conflict, and she sees a lot of money in her. So 2024, she wants to be Izzy Dame's year. So I think that would be cool if uh, we get to see more of them together on TV. I think we will, obviously. But the biggest thing that I think maybe kind of deterred from the main event, uh, for me at least, we, we had a breaking news Injury update, first of all, that the WWE medical staff will not clear Trick Williams, so the match is off. And Trick was asked about it later on, and he said he was disappointed, but he wishes the best for Dragon off. And Carmelo Hayes was like, I'm not buying that he's injured. Still, again, trying to plant those seeds of doubt in Trick's head. And Grayson Waller showed up, and he... he somehow got talked into a match with Trick Williams, but Mello puts Trick's title shot on the line. So Trick's obviously not happy about that, but fast forward to, to the where the main event is, Shawn Michaels, during the, the show, tweets out that a former champion wanted to stop by and watch the main event, and I thought we would see them before the match, but that wasn't the case. Yeah, but nothing. So for I mean, me, we obviously... 
we get Trick Williams picking up the victory over Grayson Waller to stay the number one contender. And it was a good match. You had a lot of speculation, especially with coming out of uh, AEW with Andrade yeah. uh, being no longer in AEW as per the scrum uh, that Tony Khan mentioned. So people started speculating that Andrade could be that champion to show up on NXT. So um, I was, for me, I was a bit taken out of it because I was sitting there the whole match waiting for the former champion. Yeah. But we saw Grayson Waller control most of this match. Trick had a comeback towards the end and reversed Grayson Waller's finisher. He hit that bookend off the middle rope. Waller, kind of like Seth Rollins and McIntyre, he gets his foot up on the rope. And then he hit that rolling flatliner. Carmelo Hayes, who Trick Williams said, stay in the back, I want to do this by myself. Carmelo Hayes runs down to cheer on Trick Williams, and Trick was like, what's going on here? Yeah, and, and the speculation referee, that maybe he's going to cost him. And when the referee was distracted with that, the the fans light up, going absolutely bonkers. I'm like, here, it's happening, it's Andrade, it's coming, it's happening. <laughs> and then Kevin Owens shows up, and I'm kind of like, the wind sucked out of me, like Jinder Mahal showing up on Monday Night Raw. Oh, and uh, Kevin I Owens know, I was up, fine. I was totally I, fine with no, Kevin Owens I'm showing up on I'm fine with Kevin NXT. Owens being there. I'm 100% fine with KO. I just built it up in myself. I, I went into the internet. So, nah, you're falling into, into that. You're falling yeah, into it so, too much. So, Kevin Owens ends up knocking out Grayson Waller with that cast. And uh, Carmelo Hayes was very hesitant after the match to, to clap for Trick even. So... That it's it was Trick who uh, it was Carmelo a hundred percent I think who took out Trick Williams. We go back to that same conversation, and I agree. But Kevin Owens uh, at least made sense in that storyline wise with Grayson Waller, and uh, overall that was New Year's Evil. Going to move over to SmackDown. It kicked off with Kevin Owens picking up the victory over Santos Escobar to advance to the match at the Royal Rumble with Logan Paul for the United States Championship. Logan Paul was out there to watch the match. We saw Joaquin Wilde and Cruz del Toro attack Los Lotharios at the start, so that took them away from the ringside. Um, But Escobar got distracted by that, and Kevin Owens took full advantage of it part of me would have been fine if the if the match ended in those three moves because of that distraction. I'm happy it didn't, but and it was a, a really good match. But both of them had moments where it looked like they would have won. Kevin Owens obviously hits that stunner and picks up the victory. And Logan Paul spoke afterwards. Kevin Owens ends up knocking him out. Kathy Kelly tried to interview Logan Paul after later on. A-Town Down Under showed up to to console Logan Paul. Cameron Grimes showed up to laugh at them. And that sets up a match next week between Cameron Grimes and Grayson Waller. We had the Street Profits and Bobby Lashley come out and cut a promo. Lashley said that 2023 was probably his toughest year because the work that he put in did not translate into the success that he had hoped that it would. But he found the Street Profits, and they're going to be taking everything that they deserve in 2024. The Street Profits put the Judgment Day on notice. 
And then Bobby Lashley declared for the Royal Rumble, and just then the lights go out. Karrion Cross comes out. Scarlett Bordeaux, who's now a brunette, comes out. Paul Ellering shows up. And Authors of Pain, finally after, what, two years maybe? A year and a half? I have no idea the math on that. They finally show up, take out uh, the Street Profits, take out Bobby Lashley. Karrion Cross joins in. And I'm very much so looking forward to this group. I hope it finally does what it needs to do for Karrion Cross to be on that next level. And I hope they split the tag titles up soon. We have so many tag teams. I'll talk about another tag team later on. Match after that saw EO Sky pick up the victory over Mia Yim to retain the championship. This was a competitive match with a lot of reversals. I did not think that Mia Yim would win this, but there were some moments that made it look like she could. And I very much so appreciate that Mia Yim hitting that Styles Clash from the middle rope I thought was so awesome. She's incredible. So I'm I'm happy with this match. And backstage, Damage Control had a segment where Bailey spoke about her plan for the Kabuki Warriors to win the tag titles. Uh, Dakota Kai brought up Bailey winning the Royal Rumble and dethroning Rhea Ripley. And then Bianca Belair showed up and said that she's entering the Royal Rumble and she's winning it again. And Dakota Kai told Bailey on behalf of EO that EO wants Bailey to take care of her. So that match is set up for next week. We saw Paul Heyman get interviewed. Kevin Patrick asked him his reaction to The Rock. And Paul Heyman said The Rock's basically said that The Rock's not relevant. And the only way to be relevant is to either date Taylor Swift, which I'm still hoping that they invite her and have her sing America the Beautiful in Philadelphia at WrestleMania. I think that'd be dope. Or to challenge Roman Reigns, and he listed all the people who showed up to try and be relevant to face Roman Reigns and did not, obviously, beat Roman Reigns. After that, British Strong Style reunited and picked up the victory over Pretty Deadly. We saw them team up in October on NXT. And I think it's cool to see Tyler Bate. I don't know if this is a call-up, but I hope it is. It's been seven years, I think, since he's been signed to WWE, so I'm hoping that this is finally main roster for him. But Pretty Deadly distracted the referee and held Butch's singlet at one point. Butch kicked out. The match continued. I liked this match. They they finished it with the uh, double Tyler driver to pick up the victory. Um... I'm I'm looking forward to more. And like I said before, we need tag titles on both brands. If we're going to have this like big influx of tag teams, we need titles on separate brands. After that, Nick Aldis had a meeting with Ashanti the Adonis. Ashanti said that he's been struggling to find a place on SmackDown, but he's hungry. He doesn't want Nick Aldis to feel sorry for him. He just wants an opportunity. And Nick Aldis said that he's not going to feel sorry for Ashanti, and he has a lot of ideas for him. I don't know what's going to come from that. I'm looking forward to seeing what's coming from that. Hopefully, BFAB shows up too there. There was a video that went uh, viral, somewhat viral, her training with Natalia. Natty and, and Tyson Kidd have been training and working out with a lot of wrestlers. I think what they do in their their training facility, the garage or whatever, is fantastic. 
And clearly, she's gearing up to wrestle. So maybe we'll see her come out, uh, show up at the Royal Rumble. Will they continue that storyline with Bobby Lashley? I don't know. We have that, that whole thing with Scarlett Bordeaux now. Maybe, I don't know. In the main event, we saw Randy Orton versus AJ Styles versus LA Knight. It ended in a no contest. This was to determine who will face Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble. I thought it was a good match. It was crazy, like all over the place. They were really using the whole no DQ thing in the triple threat scenario. Um, I liked AJ Styles reversing that backdrop from Randy Orton. And then he hit Randy Orton with one on the table after Randy had done that to L.A. Knight. I liked L.A. Knight reversing the RKO with the BFT. AJ Styles stopped Charles Robinson from counting in that spot to for to break that pin. L.A. Knight got busted open. I'm not sure if it was from the 450 from AJ or not, but I liked AJ like punching the 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 forehead of L.A. Knight to work the blood, I guess, but AJ Styles went for a phenomenal form, Randy Orton rocks him with that RKO out of nowhere, and LA Knight then pulls Charles Robinson out of the ring, that's when the bloodline showed up, all three of them took out AJ Styles, LA Knight, and Randy Orton, and then Nick Aldis pulled Paul Heyman aside after all that, and he's like, tell Roman... He's got a fatal four-way at the Royal Rumble. And I thought that was great, the the setup on that. But that is SmackDown. Hey, Chris, got a match of the week? Chris's match of the week. Chris's match of the week. My match of the week. Chris is back here. Yep. And I'm going to fangirl out about it more than I did earlier in the show. Adam Copeland versus Christian. No disqualification match for the TNT Championship from World's End was my match of 2023. Um, I said it to somebody, you know, everyone, everyone gave out their year-end awards, uh, you know, last last week or the week before that, and Adam and Christian said, hold my Molson ice, or, <laughs> and uh, put together a match of the year candidate with the story, with the moments. It was just outstanding. Uh, so go back and watch it again because it was great. Uh, and now, Brandon, who are you? Shouting out. Hey, wow, this is Owen Wilson. You're listening to Brandon's Shoutout. The first shout-out goes to Bookie, which is a brand-new show on Max by Chuck Lorre. It stars Sebastian Maniscalco and Omar Dorsey, but uh, you have Jorge Garcia in it. Charlie Sheen is also on the show, which is beyond crazy, given that he and Chuck Lorre had that huge public fallout between uh, the two of them for for two and a half men all those years ago. And also Angus T. Jones makes a cameo. He played Jake on two and a half men, so I thought that was pretty cool. But uh, Maniscalco's character is a bookie in Los Angeles, and he goes through all the things, I guess, that a bookie on a TV show or a movie would go through. And uh, the whole season, like I said, it's out on Max, so check it out. My next shout-out goes to Killer Khan, who unfortunately passed away last week at the age of 76. He wrestled for the WWE, WCCW, All Japan, New Japan, so many more. He was a top heel 
in uh, WWE with Freddie Blassie as his manager, which you could watch. I don't know how many matches of his are on Peacock or WWE Network. I feel like there used to be a lot more, but there's matches on Peacock. You could check it out. The Mongolian stretcher match that he had with Andre the Giant in 1981 is on WWE's website. It used to be on Peacock. I don't know. They like did away with their hidden gems section, I feel like. So that sucks. But uh, And then not that I would have known Killer Khan back then, but I feel like the first time maybe any of us would have been exposed to him was in Three Ninjas Kick Back. He was the, the, the heel bodyguard in that movie. So go go watch his matches on Peacock. You could check him out. I know on YouTube somebody uploaded Three Ninjas. I don't know where else it's streaming. Yeah, Three Three Ninjas was such a legendary movie from our childhood too, so very unfortunate. Yeah. And then my this was the the third movie though, I believe. And then my last shout out goes to Shecky Green who also passed away this week at the age of 97. Uh, he was a comedian who worked the Borscht Belt up in the Catskills, way more famous as a Las Vegas act, and he'd work with people like Frank Sinatra, Elvis Presley was his opening act before Elvis was, like, big, and he was a regular guest and guest host of The Tonight Show with, um, uh, Johnny Carson, you probably would know him, Dave, he played Marcus Vindictus in, uh, History of the World Part 1. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like we don't have comedians like him anymore. Most likely, we couldn't have comedians like him anymore. (laughs) But you can look clips of him up on YouTube. Uh, There's not, I mean, there's a lot of clips. There's not like great quality clips. But those are my shout outs. Now it's time for our. That is right, our mark out moment of the week. I'm just going to take it. Going to AEW World's End was my entire mark out moment. That, just in general, that entire event at Nassau Coliseum, from the audience to the sound of the ring being um, that it would make, to the entrances, to the matches, to just being there with good people, it was my total mark out moment. Yeah, it was fine. I had a great time uh, doing that as well. I guess sticking with AEW, Willow Nightingale was on the Food Network Super Chef Grudge Match this week where she was paired up with Antonio LaFaso, which I thought was super cool to see. That's all that AEW is advertising. I tune into the Food Network this week and who else is on the show? It's Jade Cargill. She was paired up with Brian Malarkey, and I thought that was I, that was an actual surprise because obviously WWE can't uh, promote it because she's an AEW superstar on the show, and she was an AEW superstar. Obviously, AEW is not going to promote it because she's in WWE now. So I thought that was that's pretty pretty cool, cool to see both of them. Yeah. Uh, also, Shotzi Blackheart got married in Las Vegas during the holiday tour, and then showed up to the holiday tour in Vegas in her wedding dress and wrestled in her wedding dress. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. And then, I guess, collectively, maybe, The Rock showing up. 
Yeah, maybe. yeah, The Rock showing up. Yeah, but it, kind of, it just ruins Cody now. Like, I don't think so. Not not yeah, necessarily, because we do have Chamber. I mean, that, that's an entire big talk as well. It not necessarily yeah. ruins Cody. We'll have to see it play out. Yes. But, uh, yeah, that's that's what I have for the Markout Moments of the Week. Take us home. Anyway, that was Marking Out, whatever episode this is. 674. Anyway, uh, Facebook.com slash Marking Out, Twitter.com slash Marking Out, YouTube and Instagram.com slash Marking Out 11. You um, can email us at markingout one at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter, Chris Weendog. Uh, Dave on Twitter at DavidPTDPT and follow Brandon on all your social media influencing accounts at BTTG161. So until next week, we wish you the... The... Best best of luck, future endeavors. endeavors. Have a fantastic week. Wow, I did it. Point play for it, it finally happened.